What's up? This is Brett Shuford, your host of the Creative Visibility Podcast. And if I sound excited, it's because I'm super pumped about the upcoming IG Reels Bootcamp, which is going to be a 28-day bootcamp with me and you, where I show you how to make popular reels, grow your Instagram account, and make a reel every single day. If you follow me on Instagram, I have been making two reels a day for quite some time now and have been able to amass quite a following. And we're, of course, heavily featuring Instagram reels on the podcast for the next few weeks because I want to encourage you to start using reels to express your creativity. There's so much that's possible with Instagram reels, and I have seen and have proven to myself that it is the most powerful way to amass a following, to connect with people, and to actually start to have fun on social media. Even if you don't dance, even if you're not a lip syncer, there's so much creativity involved. So if you're interested in learning about growing your Instagram account, go to igreelsbootcamp.com. And now on to the episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Creative Visibility Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Shuford, and today we have a very special guest. I haven't had a guest on the podcast in a while, and I'm really excited to introduce you to Brandon. Brandon, got to help me with the last name, Kumarasamy? You got it, Kumarasamy. Kumarasamy, Kumara. So the Mara is like the emphasis. I, I think that's such a great last name, Kumarasamy. I would never, and, and it's funny, like in my head, I said it right, but it's always different when you say it out loud. And Brendan's coming, Brendan and I are talking, he's in Montreal, Canada. And of course, I'm here in Houston, Texas, which I think is always interesting to think that we're on the same continent, but culturally very different. Don't you think so? <laughs> Absolutely, man. You know, I'm always in the US a lot, but I don't think I've been to Houston yet. I haven't been to Texas just yet. So yeah, very different. I think you might go into shock if you come to Houston. <laughs> you might be like, wait, this, oh, this is the America I see on TV. It's very uh, much that, yeah. But uh, for those of you that don't know, Brendan is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk, which actually, if you take a minute and go to his YouTube channel and watch some of the stuff, it's really great, with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Brendan, what does it mean to be a top communicator? Absolutely. It's a great way of getting started, Brett. So for me, what a top communicator means is someone who is three things. One super consistent with practices. So a lot of the tactics we're going to be talking about today on the show, they're very consistent with them. That's the first piece. The second one is vision. A lot of us have goals with our relationships. We have goals with our businesses. We have goals with our health, but we don't really have goals with our communication. A lot of us don't go, you know, I want to work on these communication goals this quarter. And I find what great speakers do, top communicators, is they're always constantly challenging themselves to be better speakers and have clear, tangible outcomes to keep pushing the goal forward. That's number two. And then the third piece is really around technique. So technique is getting everything right. I call this juggling 18 balls at the same time. So someone who's a top communicator can do that, which is eye contact, smiling, vocal tone variety, pacing really, really fast, really slow, and all of those other fun techniques. And where did you learn to be such a great communication teacher? Yeah, of course, man. So, so it all started when I was in college and university. So I, I went to business school. 
and I did these things called case competitions, Brett. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were like playing rugby or soccer or football or some other sport you probably wouldn't see me playing, I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching a lot of the students on how to communicate ideas effectively. And I realized in that training, because I was doing it mostly pro bono back then, that a lot of the information I was sharing with them, Brett, wasn't really available for free on the internet. So I just started making videos. I called it Master Talk, and it just turned into something I never could have imagined. You had me at nerd. You had yeah, me at good. nerd. Th those are my people. So that's fascinating. So in, in going to business school, learning how to, or at least learning that you had this, this superpower, how does that translate into helping people? Because I, I imagine there's people out there who, are, who have ideas like, I want to start a business. I want to do this thing, right? For a lot of my audience, it's like, I want to be a full-time creative. So I want to create content and I want to grow following and monetize that following. But how does someone discover that maybe communication is the problem if they don't know that it's a problem? Absolutely, Brett. That's a fantastic question, by the way. So here, here's the way that I would see it. I see it as communication is an accelerant of dreams. So regardless of what you have or want in life, and there's kind of three questions to help us figure this out. The first one is, what do you want out of life, right? So to use your example, right? People who want to be full-time creators to do what they love full-time. So what, that's what they want. The second question now becomes, who has already achieved that goal? Right? Some, who's somebody who's already done that, right? So, so yourself, probably a great example. Maybe it's an artist that they follow. Maybe it's Chris Doe, maybe it's somebody else, right? Who are those people? And then the third question that a lot of us don't think about, Brett, and this is where the value gets added, is what type of communicator is that person? Right? And people don't analyze the third question. They look mm. at what they want. They look at why they want it, why it's important, who's done it. But they don't look at who that person or how that person is communicating. So that is what helps us understand the delta, the gap between who we are today and who we want to be. And then the other obvious answer is it really depends on the type of creative. If we're talking about online social media content, of course, if they're getting started, it's really easy to tell if they need communication because they, they just don't want to post content, period. But then if they become more seasoned, it's not that communication is a problem necessarily, but it's that, I call this evolve. There's a constant evolution of ideas like even today, I'm sure there's a lot of things I'm going to learn from you just through the questions that you're asking that I'm going to say, hmm, you know, that fourth question that Brett asked me, even if I've answered it before, I feel I can do better next time. And there's that constant evolution, even for me. Wow. So yeah, I think that there is always this need to enhance communication. It's funny, I was yesterday, I, I participated in a, a course or just like a, a lesson about implicit bias and how to how to build a business that is inclusive and and come to terms with our, our biases right and it's fascinating because I feel that when it comes to communication especially when you the more public you become right if we're all talking about becoming public personas your your biases can be on display right and so there's always an evolution as you said to start becoming very clear and take responsibility in those things, right? So is there anything in this new day and age of people really trying so hard to communicate 
inclusivity and, and communicate equity? And is there anything that you would offer to people in learning to communicate publicly their own willingness to, um, to, to not be afraid to get it wrong, right? To not be afraid to fail publicly so that they can continue to improve. Absolutely, Brett. So here's what I would say. I would say start by failing in the smallest possible way mm. and build that resilience over time. Kind of like going to a gym, right? So at the beginning, when you go to a gym, you're not really going after those 300, you know, weights or those things. I would, I would never do that. As you can tell by looking at me, my arms would probably break. Right. So, so you'll go for a walk. That's, that's what I start with. I don't even go to the gym. You start with the walk. And then over time, as you get more comfortable and as you start to see better results, then you move up and then you work on the next thing, the jog, the run, the marathon, the half marathon, and you could build that momentum up over time. And I think that analogy applies really well in communication too, Brett, in the sense that my first advice for people who want to post on social is never to post on social. <laughs> the first step is actually make a list of five to 10 people that you love the most in your life, your friends, your family, your colleagues, clients, right, people around you, and just ask ourselves a simple question. When was the last time we sent them, not a 20 minute, not a 20 hour, but a 20 second video message just to say, hey, Brett, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. I can't believe you're dealing with all these amazing people in Houston. And you're still trekking forward. So keep up <laughs> doing the incredible work that you're doing helping creators. It's simple, right? But it's so simple, Brett, that nobody does it. So why is that lesson so important for us? Why is that exercise so important for us? Because it teaches us at a deeper level what communication is for. Because a lot of us think communication is a chore, like doing the dishes. Oh my God, like this Brendan guy is going to come on and talk about communication. And then I have to do it because then if I don't, then I don't become a full-time creative and I can't be successful. I hate that energy. For me, it's more about when you send those video messages to your family, they're not going to be perfect, right? You're probably going to stink. The lighting isn't going to be great, but they're going to reply saying, wow, Brett, this really made my day. Nobody sent me a video message before. And then we realize that communication is a tool for impact and we can scale that up moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Gosh, I, I think the thing I really want to take away from that, that it, there's, that's really, really beautiful, but it's, it really comes down to this idea that, um, it starts with 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 that individual connection, right? And and relationships, right? That's how we learn to communicate. There's already people in our lives that we can practice communicating better with. And the way you do anything is the way you do everything. So if you do that well, it will ricochet out into the world um, at a greater level. One thousand yeah. percent. I love the way you phrase that for sure. Yeah, that's so true. And I think so many of us just underestimate the power of the current relationships we have because we're so busy trying to grow into something that we're, you know, we're not yet, right? Wow. Um, what do you find is the most common tool that you have to teach people when mm -hmm. it comes to communicating better? Absolutely. I would say the most important tool is dreaming. I know that sounds really bizarre. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because a lot of us dream about our vacations, Brett. The expensive things we want to buy, the relationships we want to have, the, the marriages, the partnerships, the health. And these are all amazing. But when was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? Mm. 
the answer is never. Because a lot of the labeling around communication, a lot of the energy around communication is negative. It's the stress. It's the anxiety. It's, I don't really want to do this. Versus another question that I'd love to pose the audience. And the question is, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? It's a question that is so simple, but nobody really thinks about. And this brings us to the biggest challenge in communication, because a lot of us think it's fear, Brett. And I personally think there's a challenge even greater than fear. And the challenge that is greater than fear is motivation. Because if you're motivated enough, at the end of the day, yeah, sure, you might be scared to, to put out our art and put out our creative, amazing amazing work to the world but it's that motivation that helps us go you know what screw the fear let's just figure this out so the main thing is to reflect on that question because for all of us the answer is different well how would my life change if i was a great communicator oh maybe i could be better on podcasts oh maybe i could start podcasts like brett maybe i could do this and once we have that inspiration then we it fuels excitement and momentum to actually get the journey started Oh man, I, I, I preach this so much about vision and, and having a really clear, what's my life going to look like? I think so many people get hung up in numbers and, um, you know, financial numbers, follower counts, uh, that they don't have a real clear vision of what happens once they get that thing. And that's really what matters more because then you really know your why, you know, you know Absolutely. why you're doing it. And, and let's build on that because what you shared there is so true. A lot of us focus on the wrong metrics, right? Yeah. The money, the followers, and just a quick touch point on followers. You know, one thing that's helped me a lot in my personal brand is I've never seen it as followers. I've always seen it as conversations, right? So when you're willing to have a thousand conversations instead of a thousand followers, that's mm. when you really start to build a raving fan base. One mm. crazy thing I told myself when I started Breath because I never relied on my YouTube follower. Oh, my! the algorithm is going to save me. I literally said, you know what? If I had to go on 10,000 podcasts, and if it was just the host listening to me, there's no. let's assume there's no other audience. I'm sure there's, there is a lot more, but let's assume it's just you and me. Even if I had to do 10,000 of them, thankfully it didn't have to be 10,000. But let's just say it was, at least I would have 10,000 subscribers. At least I would have 10,000 people believe in me. And I just find that most people just don't have that mentality when they approach the thing that they love to do. Yeah, well, no one teaches us that, right? It's, um, you're, you're taught very young. If you're daydreaming, you're not, you know, focused on school. You're not going to get good grades. You're, you know, there's all these repr reprimanding things that happen. I think that's why so many entrepreneurs who are like me who are like ADHD, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> trying to do so many things but it's um but i i have personally learned that the vision is really what counts because if you have a really strong vision it doesn't matter what obstacles get in the way you know where you're headed so you'll find a way around those obstacles but for people who don't have a clear vision as soon as something comes and blocks their path they don't have a clear direction of why they're on that path in the first place. And so that obstacle stops them in their tracks. And, and I think that is super important to really know why you want to do what you do. And it, it can't necessarily be about you. Talk a little bit about communication in service of others and how, you know, what is the mindset shift that people need? Or maybe you have a key that's helped unlock this for people who are maybe thinking so much about that metric of 
I just want to be Tony Robbins. I just want to be on stage and be uh, famous, which is never <laughs> right, which is never a good reason because it's not grounded in anything of total value, right? It's like being famous is about you. It's not about others. And that's really where really where I think the power lies in building a business. So is there a key that you found that has helped unlock that for people who are very stuck in this idea of, I just want to build a business that makes a billion dollars and makes me famous? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure you have a lot of great thought leadership on this too. So I'd love to hear from you as well. On sure. This. But, but I would say for me, you know, the easiest thing, let, let's paint a picture here for all of us. I got a crooked left arm. I was a 22-year-old kid when I started Master Talk. And my average person is like double my age now. And I have a bachelor's degree in accounting. Who in the world was I to create communication YouTube videos for people? <laughs> right? It's like, my God, why is this person going to do this? And for me, what it really started with is behind every why, I feel Taki Moore has a great handle on this. Behind every why is usually a who. So if you figure out the who first, it'll lead you to your why. So who is my who? That was like a weird play on words there. But, but who is the person that drove me to start Master Talk? Was it the executive who pays my bills? They're amazing. I love them to death. But it, I didn't start Master Talk for them. I started Master Talk for the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford me. I think the next Elon Musk is probably some 7-year-old, some 9-year-old who can't really afford a coach in the same way that when, he, when Elon was 15, Brett, he was just some kid in South Africa that nobody really cared about. Nobody sat him down and said, hey, you should work on your communication skills. Let me coach you for 45 minutes. Like nobody really did that for him. And that's really the biggest concern I had with the way that we were kind of leading because no one was leading with communication insight for that specific demo. Hmm. So it got me really excited to help people. So what does that mean now for the audience? How do we trickle that principle down to how do you figure out the who? I would say the best way to do it is there's no silver bullet. It's a bunch of lead bullets, which means you got to splat a bunch of things on the wall. Try your ideas. Try your concepts on 100 different people and see who it resonates with the most and understand it after the fact. Why does my content resonate more with X? Why does my content resonate more with why? Example, I know now that a lot of the people who watch Master Talk Bread are people whose second language is English because they need it to share their ideas. They usually have a PhD degree. They're usually CEOs of a scientific company and they need you know, communication because they need it to share their ideas with the world. So they resonate more with communication content. But I couldn't have known that before the fact. Because just to paint a picture, I was just some kids sharing videos and sending emails. I didn't know what was going on. So that's mm -hmm. my take on it is splat a bunch of things on the wall. Yeah, I love that. I think it's but I do think that there is the, a moment that has to unlock. I mean, some people who are just going to pursue things because they're driven to to be famous and that's OK. Like if that's how you want to start. But I will tell you, in my experience, having worked in the entertainment industry for decades and um you know, and then now serving entrepreneurs, it's not sustainable. What I found is that people get into people who are driven by fame and by number metrics, they get to the top, you might accomplish it. And then they're like, well, shit, I built something I don't really love. And I don't really want to do because they didn't have a clear vision of accomplishing that and what their life would look like past that. And 
then they feel like they can't backtrack. They can't let it go because they spent decades building it and it's now brought them what they wanted, but now they realize it's not what they wanted after all, right? So there's all, there's, there's this, uh, tendency or at least this fear. So I always tell people, like you said, splatting a bunch of things on the wall. I think it's really about in my, in the way I sort of phrase it is being willing to fail and understanding that failure is not, doesn't really exist, right? There are no mistakes. You just learn. And when, if you do get to the top and you do get those metrics and you feel really great about accomplishing that, you can also then go, you know what, though, this isn't what I wanted after all. And you can scratch it and you can leave it and you can do the thing you really want. There's never it's OK to change directions and pivot and learn from the things that you've done, not just your failures, but your successes, too. And I think there's too many of us that are so afraid to let go of that first goal, that first dream and not allow our dreams to evolve the way that we do as human beings. That is so powerful. I mean, I completely agree, Brett. Is like I went from being an accountant, right, to being a technology consultant, to being a public speaking coach and YouTuber. Like, if you had told me at nineteen that not only was I going to get the dream job that I never thought I was going to get, but then I was going to quit the job, to then cut my salary by seventy five percent, and I would have told you you were crazy. Right. And I. And I love the way you phrased it. I thought that was really powerful. No, but it's true, right? I mean, it's I, I I had one goal as a kid was to be on Broadway, and I did it eight times and couldn't understand why I was uh, sort of unhappy once I was in my eighth Broadway show. I was like, this isn't really how I pictured my life. And yet, it, I, you know, on, on one hand, it's like, oh, my God. People are like, oh, my God, you're on Broadway. Like, why would you ever let that go? But the other hand, is like, but I want more for my life. I want to have a family. I want to have my evenings off. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't want to be crippled because I'm telling you, eight shows a week is really hard in the body. There's all these things that people don't really factor in when it comes to these dreams. And, um, and I think that that's super important. If you to just give yourself permission to change gears, if once you accomplish that dream, you find out it's not the thing you wanted after all. And it's okay to communicate to people. It's okay to say to people, hey, you know what? I, I did this thing. Bravo me. Pat them on, pat myself on the back. But it's not what I want. And I'm going to change gears and I'm going to do this instead of trying to sweep it under the rug, which I think you probably see people do all the time as well, don't you? I mean, absolutely, Brett. And thanks for sharing that story. I mean, wow, that that's that's really a, a transition from Broadway and, into what you're doing today, and all the multiple careers you've had, I'm sure. And yeah, I think I think the lining thread at the end of the day, Brett, and and you nailed it on the head there, about about not being scared to fail. I'd say the other piece to that is make your purpose your priority, mm. even if you even if you don't know what it is. <laughs> like when I, when I was younger, I didn't know it was going to be master talk. Come on, like I was just helping students for fun and then i just watched youtube videos and I, it just ringed in my head i was like oh they're not sharing the whole how would your life change if you're an exceptional human why is anyone doing that and then i then i had the the spark but i would say the key is a lot of us don't optimize our life for our purpose when it arrives i think that's the challenge i'll give an example with me and i'm always transparent because all my ceos know this i still live in my mother's basement hmm. even if i'm successful i still live in my mom's basement I, one sec, I just got a call. There you go. So I live in my mom's basement. That's one. The second piece 
is I don't have a dog or a pet, and I do it on purpose to not distract me. Third, I in, I save like 89% of my income. That's why me and my mom and my sister all live together. It's something we do in South Asian culture to just give ourselves better leverage and a better chance at life. So my sister isn't going to move out until she gets married, like in her early 30s or late 20s. Right? So, so But what happens, Brett, is especially when I was working as a technology consultant, Back then, Mastalk was just a blip. Like I was just making videos in my mom's basement, like right there on that couch. And I wasn't thinking it was going to be this big YouTube channel or business. But when I realized that I wanted to transition, and this is the cornerstone, the key point I feel a lot of people don't think about, is I was ready for that transition. Mm-hmm. I didn't have golden handcuffs. I had like a year of money saved up because I knew one day I was going to do something. But a lot of us, when they figure out what the thing is, they go like, oh, well, I got a mortgage now. I got all these things. Whereas I didn't have that problem. But that's also a choice that I made that people can make for themselves. Yeah, I think so, too. I, th- th- you're so experienced in, in the way you're, you speak about all of this. But talk a little bit about maintaining a YouTube channel. I do have people who want to have a YouTube channel, who do have a YouTube channel. You know, they the evolution of that from when you're 15, YouTube has changed a lot in that time and how um, accessible content really is to the public now is is definitely more, and I'm curious what you think of like how they've made it so keyword heavy and it's just like you have to do research and if you wanna be discovered, talk about maintaining a YouTube channel all of these years and what are the sort of challenges and the the things that you love about continuing to be on YouTube? Absolutely, Brett. So, so here's what I'll say. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't recommend YouTube to most people, and the reason is really simple: is because you, like, you touched upon it so well in this in this interview, Brett, about having that purpose, having that why, and it is absolutely <laughs> crucial for YouTube because it's the NBA of content creation, right? YouTube has the best monetization platform out of all the social medias, which means it has the most competition. All of the best people in the world create on YouTube. So that means you got, you got a lot of people you got, you're up against. And, and because of that, you need to have a very clear why. Like to your point, being famous is definitely not enough. So here, here's the, what I'll say. If you're not thinking about YouTube in decades, you're not going to win on YouTube mm. because it takes a long time to be successful. Just to give you an idea of my stats, I currently have around 25, 26,000 subscribers but it took me two and a half years to get to 10,000. So the first year, I probably I probably ended the year with like 1,500, but that's not because uh, of the YouTube algorithm. That's because I DM'd 2,000 people, wow. right? Right. A lot of people from my personal network. Because remember, my YouTube channel had a big why behind. I knew I wasn't going to be this big famous guy, but I said, you know what? Like I went because I coached a lot of people for free over three years. So I went back to them and I said, guys, I didn't ask you for anything. I asked you for money. I didn't ask you give me a percentage of the multiple six-figure salary that you have on Wall Street now or whatever. But you are going to do something for me is you're going to promote the shit out of my YouTube channel. Yes. And they all did. That's how I got 1,000 subscribers in four months. It wasn't because I was like – I had great – and my contests were terrible, by the way. <laughs> so, so that's what I would say. I would say the, the cornerstone to winning, especially in the space that I'm in in YouTube, which is education. That's really what I can speak on is one week, one video a week. That's gold for 10 years. You'll win. So I call this the 520 rule 52 weeks in a year for 10 years. So a lot of people don't know this, Brett, but I've actually already created my videos for 2023. 
like I'm currently producing 2024 now with my production team, right? That's how far ahead I think about YouTube because I want to keep that decade long perspective. That's amazing. And and I think what's what's essential if anyone's listening that I heard you say is your production team, right? And you're not doing this alone. You have support. Um, if, when you talk about your team, what is your who does your team include? Like who like not necessarily the names, but like the positions. What do you have? You're all good. I'm super easy. I'm happy to talk anything. Numbers, yeah. whatever, whatever adds value, bro. So so let's start with production too, because I know what people are thinking right now. Oh, well, Brendan, I mean, I don't have a big business yet. And I don't even have that massive a business, but I do well, but it's not like I'm a billionaire. Yeah. And they're like, oh, like I have a, I don't have money for production team. Here's what I'll say. I invested in my production team long before I had money. Just so people understand my numbers. I was probably making... 65 70k pre-tax when i was working as in corporate america so after tax it's probably 30 40k in montreal which is like heavy tax rates and i took 25 percent of that money 10 15 g's into my production team that's like 30 percent of what i was making so instead of moving out of my mom's house i, I can move out now at this point but but which is a, another story for another day if you want to yeah. talk about that why i still live <laughs> yeah. there, which is a separate topic but i think the point is that 10, 15 Gs I invested because I genuinely, Brett, wasn't doing it for the money. Not because I'm some philanthropist. It's because I was already making money at IBM. They already paid me a good salary. So for me, it was more just about I really want this to exist because I think it's nuts that no communication coach who's come before me was like sharing this for free. Nobody was doing it and in a good way anyways. So I went to my best friend and I said, hey, bro, I know we've been friends since I was 16. I can't afford your rates. I, I can't do $1,000 a video. It's nuts. Or $500 a video. I'll do $200. i am really good on camera. You don't have to do a lot of B-rolls, not on production. And it, I made it worth as well. And he said yes. And he was my first team member. And my other team member, and he still produces my videos to this day. Wow. Luckily for, luckily for me at the same rates because he's my buddy. Nice. And his margins are really high because obviously since I'm a great speaker, hopefully. As, as yeah, speaker, yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't take me that long to film a video. It's like 20 minutes to yeah, film same. a video for me. Yeah, you're just a good talker. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's like a one-take thing. But mm-hmm. the other piece is my designer. So my designer is also a friend. So you don't need to hire like a like an agency to do this for you, which is going to run you like high five figures, low six figures. I would say like just have buddies who support you. Like my designer made my logo for free when I had 20 subscribers because he was my buddy. We were eating yeah. burgers and he just said, hey, you need a logo. And I said, what? And so he yeah. just made me one. And I, and I would say too, you know, for me, the people who've supported my business the most are people who I found because they followed me, right? There's, you probably have people closer to you than you think who can help you. But I think it's really important. I saw somebody, maybe it was Sean Cannell. I'm sure you know who Sean Cannell is. Of course. Yeah, I think Um, I think he said something about if you're trying to build a, or maybe it was Brock Johnson. It was one of those two guys. Um, very similar. And I, they said, uh, if you're trying to build a business by yourself, you're not going to build a business. You need, you know, build a business that requires other people to help you because that's ultimately how you'll end up growing. Um, and I had a client recently who's a YouTuber who was like, I'm just, I just want to make the money. He's making great ad, AdSense revenue. But he was so scared to reinvest that money in his team. Mm. And I said, well, if you want to double that AdSense revenue, you would spend a portion of it on hiring somebody. Because I, I promise you, like you said, it's that long-term, long vision game, especially on YouTube. But I would say pretty much, 
pretty much any platform now it's it's really like it's that consistency that really matters but youtube specifically i have found i mean i still make affiliate sales off of videos i made in 2015 right on youtube so and and i have not been consistent since then in making videos every week and if i had been i'd probably be making a lot more money so oh, that's yeah, really massive that's really really helpful to hear and remind people and probably the only reason i probably haven't made a video every week number one I didn't have a great team behind me, right? And number two, I had a baby, and that just threw everything off. <laughs> Congratulations, even if it Thank was seven you. years ago. Even if it was a long time ago. <laughs> so anyway, fabulous. Uh, you're just amazing. So talk a little bit about your your free training, the Rockstar Communicator. Yeah, absolutely, bro. First of all, it's so great to be on your show. This is such an awesome conversation. I oh, learned a lot, personally. So, thanks. so thanks a lot, man. This I'm is glad great. to have you here. Of course. So yeah, Rockstar Communicator is a free training I do over Zoom every three weeks. It's a live workshop. It's not some boring webinar. And I facilitate it. So if you want to jump on it, you just have to register at rockstarcommunicator.com. That's so generous of you to do that. You do it how often? Every three weeks. Every three weeks. Y'all, go, go take this free training because you are such an excellent communicator. And I feel like whether it's YouTube or any other platform that you're trying to build on, it really, this this idea of locking in that dream, that vision, and being able to communicate is is really at the core of building a, a personal brand, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else you want to share, Brendan, before we sign off? Yeah, Brett, I'll, I'll share a story because I think we, we talked a lot about the why, but we didn't go super deep on what is like the real why that I have in life. So, so I'll, end, I'll end with a quick story. Hopefully that'll inspire people on, on what drives me every day. So the story is a TikTok I was listening to the other week. And the TikTok had uh, a, obviously a woman that we all know, Taylor Swift, super famous musician. She's standing up on that stage right? and she wins an award called Woman of the Year by a company called Billboard. And she looks at the stage and the audience in it, and she says, your future woman of the year is 11 years old right now. She is singing in a choir. She is learning how to sing. She has big dreams for her life. And we need to take care of her. And then the TikTok flips to seven years later. And Billie Eilish becomes the youngest inductee in the history of Billboard to win Woman of the Year. She gets up on a stage. She's like 17 years old. She's barely a woman herself. She's got her big backy jacket on. She's got her big glasses. She looks at the crowd and goes, oh, yeah, what's up, everyone? I can't believe I won this thing. And then the last 10 seconds changes my life, Brett. She looks at the audience and goes, you know, in 2014, I watched Taylor give that Woman of the Year speech, and I was 11 years old. And I was learning how to do choir and learning how to sing. And the only thing I've left to say, Billboard, is thank you for taking care of me. And then she walked off the stage. So why do I tell you that story, Brett, to close us off? I tell you that story because when I heard that TikTok, I immediately thought about the next Elon Musk. And I realized that nobody cared about Elon when he was 15 years old. Nobody helped the kid in South Africa on communication. And I thought about all of the Elon Musk who were always going to exist for the rest of time, a hundred years after I'm gone. And I realized nobody was thinking in that way. And that's what drove me through all of the obstacles. So the point being, if you have a really strong why for what you do, nothing will get in your way to be successful in life. Amen. I definitely think my audience will respond to Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish before Elon Musk. I will tell you that. Yeah. 
Fair enough. So including all of them gives such great versatility to this conversation. I, I, cause I love all of them for different reasons. And I do think it's, it's something I talk about all the time is know who your ideal audience is. You're not creating this. Is This is a service that you're doing to someone back, back younger, the younger version of yourself. It's really beautiful. That's so helpful. Everyone go follow Brendan. I will put links for everything down in the show notes. Um, I'm so glad we finally got to connect and meet and I can't wait to see what else we create together because I think you're just pretty awesome. Oh, thanks. But likewise, man, thanks for the work that you're doing as well. Thank you.